Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. is up wizards fans welcome to another believe in wizard podcast i'm matt moderno he's jihadi white only one of us could probably guard a stop sign at this point and it isn't me jihadi how's it going <laughs> it was going good till you started off like that but, sorry man i couldn't help hey, it hey obviously it's much more than me who can't go a stop sign it yeah it's a it's uh no it's it's contagious man i uh it's I don't know. I, I, no, I, I was saying I couldn't guard a, a stop sign. I know you still can. Uh, oh, man, listen, I can do a better job of not guarding we, stop signs right now. No, we, we need your rim protection right now out oh. on the Wizards actively. Uh, they, they could use the rebounding help more than anything, and that's probably a really good place to start. This mostly uh, recent game against the Magic. You had Denny Avdia with four rebounds. Kyle Kuzma with three rebounds. Uh, let's see. Daniel Gafford with three rebounds and Jordan Poole, I think was actually the leading rebounder with five rebounds that can't happen in a game you want to win, especially against a bigger kind of physical magic team. So although magic were without their starting center, Wendell Carter jr. Too. So I, I don't know, man, like this, this is a bad rebounding team. That's what we like, talked about from day one. Like you said, they're without their starting center, which I'm yeah. leading rebounder, and we still couldn't get any rebounds and the magic isn't the, they have some big bodies, you know. They sure. have uh, a Benchero out there, but that's it's not. We shouldn't be incapable of rebounding that bad. They're right? they're not the most physical team in the league yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. What you you always expect Kuzma to bring his rebounding instincts when everything falls. Okay, we can we can you know rely on Kuzma to bring his rebounding instincts. Mm-hmm. But they weren't there either. Gafford still has to be a much better rebounder than he is. He he has the ability. He has to learn how to use his body more and his instincts more and uh, have to think rebounding first. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're expecting him to bring a lot of offensive power to the game, even though he's bringing much more than he usually would, mm-hmm. right? But – he still now has to say, okay, I'm I'm starting to add protecting, doing a great job of being a rim protector now. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. he's getting some drop-offs now. He's being a a much more efficient score. He's giving us a little bit more in score on the scoring end. Mm-hmm. Now he has to say, rebound has to be my top priority, along with everything else. So then that's the issue. We have to, when things fall. We have to be re- able to rely on one guy for sure that say, okay, we may not have a good rebounding day to day, but Gafford, he has to step up to the plate. He, we have to know that he's going to be, he's going to be sustainable. We can, de- we can depend on him to give us at least ten to thirteen. It feels like he was just sort of out of position a whole lot in that game, scrambling to make up for how bad the perimeter defense was, and I definitely. 
I think that threw them off a little bit. Before we get too far into this, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Iced Teas, Hard Lemonades, and Bet Online. It's your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get your latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, UFC, tennis, the NBA, whatever else you want. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games. Uh, they're available right from your phone. And you can head to the website or use your mobile device and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off your welcome deposit. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online where the game starts. Uh, Drew Gooden had this stat on the broadcast the other day that they have the worst rebounding, as a, actually a couple games ago, but the worst rebounding differential in NBA history through, I don't know, 13, 14 games, whatever it was at the time. I don't think that's really gotten better since then. And, and you're talking about Gafford there. In a game where a team doesn't have their starting center, you need better from him than, let's see, what did he have for the night here? Gafford had four, five. four points. Four assists, which was interesting. Three rebounds, two blocks, one steal. That's, uh, that's unacceptable. Yeah. He, he needs Three to feast on these guys. As, as a middleman, that's absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. Right? And if and if you even consider, okay, if Gaffer can step up his, his rebounding stats, mm-hmm. those close games that we were close in, I mean, rebounding most of the time is second shot opportunities. Sure. You know, that's an extra possession, usually. Yeah. Yeah, giving them right. freebies. Yeah. Right. Not only that, he has to consider rebounds or re, the backboard is his point guard. Mm-hmm. Right. The backboard is re, gap. You, the backboard. How many how many passes do you get a game? Not too many post up opportunities they're giving him these days. That that kind of went away already. That glass with the box in it. Yeah. Is the best point guard you ever had. I love that. Yeah. Right. And now you have to. So you have to look at it that way. That's the perspective you got to take it. So now. Everything off the glass is an opportunity for me to score. Mm-hmm. It's a double stat. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You could really uh, pad that stat line pretty quickly if you just double stat. Talk to uh, like Moses Malone made the best out of that. Yeah, I mean that. That's they had uh, Marchin Gortat in here to work with him last year to set screens, and then he ended up setting a bunch of legal screens. But how do you help a guy work on his rebounding? Like at this point. It, like I know you've been doing some drills with other players and stuff like that, and even your own sons. Like, what's what's the best way to get a guy to? Do you have to have a feel for it somewhat, just kind of naturally, or can yes, you teach so, rebounding? So rebound, it's you have to. It has to be on your top of your your mental list. Just like when I walk in the game, mm-hmm. and I'm saying I want to score thirty. When I walk in the game, first thing I have to say is I want to get at least fifteen. Sure. My goal is to get fifteen. Mm-hmm. So now you say, how do I get 15? So every position you're in on the court, especially defensively, you want to put yourself in the position to be able to play defense, but also in the position to be in a rebound position right away. Yeah. So so not only that, now I'm my I'm instinctually waiting for looking for shots or expecting shots or looking at somebody that look like they bought the feel of a shot about to go up. Most mm-hmm. people say when the ball's in the air, that's when you box out. Well, that's that's way too late because now you're boxing now along with 10 other people on the court, right? You mm-hmm. you have to be in box out position before everybody instinctually reacts to the shot going up. And which means the spot, right? Right. So, right. So, right. You have to be in some type of position to say, hey, I got an advantage on my man, mm-hmm. right? That's the first thing you do. Secondly, 
you can't just get rebounds that's in your little your little area. You have to be able to rebound outside of your area. So you go ahead and travel and get as many boards. If you if you want to give yourself a quota, you got to give yourself a quota each night, and you got to fight for your quota, right? So if you give yourself a quota, you eventually find it. That's now the main priority when you get on the floor. You know you can do other stuff now. Mm-hmm. Those don't go out the window. But now you're adding on a major factor of rebounding. So now your instincts got to be quicker. You um, you almost have to sniff it out. If I see a guy dribbling the ball, it's kind of harder now because now they have these hedging moves. Sure. Even then, if I see a guy dribbling the ball and bringing that ball to his opposite hand, that means some pass or rebound. So yeah. now, now instinctually, sure. I'm already setting myself up to – get on a certain position on the side of the man to be able to rebound. Also still looking at the guy with the ball saving, it may be a rebound. So I'm already set for rebound position, but it may be a pass too. Mm-hmm. Right. So all of that, then problem with a lot of guys, they rebound with their hands down, trying to grab the man behind them. Yeah, right. Like but now it's a glide. If they hits, hits off the rim really fast, it's going to go over your head. It's going to be like shotgun. Mm-hmm. So it's all type of things. But, you know, the best thing probably do for Gafford right now is put him on, have him throw the ball off the backboard on one box and catch it on the other box and just keep doing that drill. Just practice, yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago, and I, it's been long enough, I, I don't have the exact stat or whatever, but Robin Lopez for the Wizards didn't put up particularly good rebound numbers, you know, per 36, but the team's rebound differential was so much better with him in the game because he was like an elite boxer outer. Like he was keeping yeah. two guys off the glass by himself. And I think there are ways you could impact rebounding like that beyond more than just your actual rebound numbers. But it's not like that's happening with Gafford. Like nobody's getting the board on the Wizards. It's the rule. If, if I don't, if I'm not getting it, you're, you're definitely not getting it. Right, exactly. Right. We both won't get it. Yep. And I do think it has to be more of a team thing. I, you know, I, I've been pretty solid on Denny Avdia's rebounding. I think Kyle Kuzma's been uh, a good defensive rebounder, especially the first year he was a wizard. He was great. It's kind of trailed off a little bit the more they've given him perimeter-oriented stuff to do. But, uh, you know, it's just, you you need like a team approach. And and some of these guys, they just, you see a lot of this move when the ball goes up and it's like... With no hands move. Exactly. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's got to be a total team emphasis. And we talked about this from day one. It's not like they didn't see this coming and the fact that it's just this bad and they still haven't done enough to address it. I just, I don't know how you can see that as a coaching staff and not think that this is priority number one. Granted, the defense is shit too, but at least, at least if you could limit those second chance points, it, it would it's, save you a little it's bit. It's tough for, and that's the thing. Most coaching staff don't have that guy. Because mm-hmm. you don't, you don't, the big, it's the big, the big man position is kind of obsolete now, yeah. right? But the problem is the rebounding big man position isn't. Yeah, you need that. As every team, every good team has that guy, right? That shuts so down now the teams say, well, we don't really need somebody to big to, to you know be a big man coach because now everything is a stretch five. Mm-hmm. Not not on the defensive end of the court, right? Not offensive rebounding wise. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you took the guy who could teach those instincts that has experience in doing those things naturally. He's not on your coaching staff. Yeah. And it may be small until you get in situations like this to where, 
hey, we can't get second chance chance uh, opportunities. Not only that, we're losing close games because the rebounding differential. Mm-hmm. I heard that uh, there was a big thing over the summer that Hakeem Olajuwon charges $50,000 per session to teach post moves. Maybe uh, you could ask for a similar fee to come in and teach these guys how to rebound a little bit. Hey, man, I might have to take you up on that. (laughs) Wizards, give us a call. We'll uh, we'll make something happen here. Another kind of distressing thing in that game is just the playmaking a little bit. Uh, I thought Kuzma's been really good uh, at playmaking for this team. He's dished out at least five assists in six of their last seven games. He's been on like the uptick from that respect. 13 times this year, he's led them in scoring, but six times he's led them in assists. Denny Avdia has collected at least five assists in eight different games this season, including the last two. Like those guys have really picked up the slack here for the the guards that aren't really creating much. And I thought that was going to be the biggest thing that Tyus Jones would bring is like, creating a few easy looks for some of these other guys. And they've kind of relegated him almost to like spot up shooter, occasional driver, floater, shooter. Like it's just, if you're not gonna, if he's not going to be able to create for others, I, I don't really see a ton of value from having a six foot spot up shooting specialist on the team because he's getting torched defensively pools, getting torched defensively. So like I'd rather have Kispert out there if all you're going to ask that do that player to do is is shoot from the corner. Well, I was impressed by Tyus this year from the, at the beginning. Yeah, it's trailed he, off though. He was bringing us more offensive presence. Yeah, I agree. And I, that was unexpected. Sure. He's getting us those floaters, getting us those mm-hmm. shots, right? But you're right. But him bringing that, he's now kind of going away from what the point guard is supposed to do, right? The facilitator. Mm -hmm. He's not the facilitator or getting the guys, but I don't think he has to be as much as we think we need him to be. Yeah, if those other guys can do it, yeah. Because you look at it, our offensive side of things has improved significantly. Yeah, I think so. It's it's not the the reason they're getting pumped. Right, we're not getting our ass kicked because we're not really executing offensively. We were Sure, work. early, yeah. Right, but, I mean, the ball moving now is great. The back cuts, I'm seeing really good back cuts. I mean, even from Kispert. I mean, mm-hmm. we get even the second unit, we're getting great back cuts. Yeah. Denny, great back cuts. Three-point uh, field goal percentage with Denny is amazing, right? Yeah, he's been I a mean, lot better. Kuzma is now, is now playing a a much more solid game. Man, he's really – and he's looking very good at facilitating right now. Yep. The Kuzma – um, Denny, the Kuzma Denny two man game. I love that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, the chemistry. Crazy. Is great. So the Denny, the Denny Kuzma two man game is crazy. Gafford is starting to bring some some intensity. Now you mm-hmm. still you have you have Bilal Kulabali that's definitely going to do what he does. Right. So sure. offensive wise, we're growing. Mm-hmm. We're growing as a team offensive wise. I, I see it every day. Right. Mm-hmm. We we're staying in games with some major teams. I mean, the Milwaukee games, right? We're right yeah, there, hung. right? Yeah. We hanging in. Even this Orlando game, if we could play some damn defense, we could. We've been right yeah. there in the game. Yeah, I agree. Right, so mm-hmm. it's it's not who's ever whatever we're doing on defense or who's ever working on putting that system together. Defense, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, offense. Whoever's working on really pushing that system offensively wise, it's working. Doing a good job. Yeah, I think so. 
right? So now it's the now the other end. <laughs> it's, it comes down to just defense and and rebounding them. I was watching the Orlando game, and every time down the court, they would get paint touches. It was they were blowing by dudes on the perimeter, like standstill every time, and yeah. then no help, none. Yeah. So it, when I was looking at, so I'm saying, okay, I see our defensive scheme. We're pushing the man toward the baseline. So if I'm top, I'm either going to push him. If I'm top, he's up top. I'm either going to push him right or left. Right. Right. Right, but if I'm if he's on the side, I'm pushing him toward the baseline. Mm-hmm. The help guy who's supposed to stop the lane in the middle to where as soon as he catch the ball to see it, is the guy should already be there. Yeah, that, they're on that, the opposite side of the paint every time. It's like he's the whole yeah. Right. He even when he's even when he's there, we're still getting downhill. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you who was like who was killing me was uh, uh Gallinari. He was so slow. Yeah. It was bad. <laughs> Gallinari was killing me, man. If if anyone wants an idea of what I look like playing pickup basketball, it's that, unfortunately. Uh, And as someone who is just gets torched defensively, I I um I I feel qualified to point out that he was the slowest guy I've ever seen on the basketball court. It wasn't even like he was trying to move and was too slow to get there. They were just he was there. They were just pushing him down. It was too slow. Yeah, it was points that it was actually points he was there. But they it still, still don't matter. Yeah. They'll get down the paint all the way to, the, to get a layup. Mm-hmm. And Tyus Jones, too, man. He wasn't even, he was just guarding this man. He wasn't man. helping at all. It's like middle school face guarding almost. Face you know guard, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, you can't win like that in an NBA game. And and this is the first thing you sent this to me, and I had it on our show rundown to talk about. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we both saw the same thing was the, uh, the Kyle Kuzma quote. Uh, and Josh Robbins asked, basically about their defense and uh, Josh Robbins, the athletic does a great job. And Kuzma's reaction to, to their defense was we can't guard a stop sign. That kind of really boils. That's what it kind of really boils down to. We let anybody get whatever they want on us. So until that uh, we change that, that's probably going to be the result. That's what I, it comes down to. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Uh, he, he's not wrong, but do you have any problem with him saying that that way? And I mean, no. okay. I like it too. But. And I'm glad he said it. Yeah. Cause somebody needs. So my take on Kuzma saying that is first off, it's, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Second off, he cares. Yeah. My issue is it's a lot of guys. I don't feel like it's certain guys that I don't feel like who care to win. They just care to play. They care mm-hmm. to be on the floor. Yeah. Right. That's, can, getting defensive cardio is basically all. Yeah, it is. yeah. So it's all about just how many we're going to lose anyway. Let's how many points can I put up? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I make sure I keep my stats high? Yeah. You know, I, I see a few guys that I feel like are doing that sometimes. Yeah. Right. I agree. And Kuzma's like, nah, man, we want to win. We out here to win. We out here to make an impact. We out here to, you know, what are you playing for? If not that. So defense is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, man. And, and you see him, his game's coming along together. He's trying to like really hone, bring, rein some things in in this game to look out of control. He's starting to be a much better facilitator. His assists are up. Mm-hmm. Are you going to bring something to the table? Are you going to add into this? Are you mm-hmm. going to try to win too? 
right? And so I that's think, my thing with him saying that. I think it's a, he needed to say. Yeah, it's challenging everybody else to yeah. to make some strides too. And and you know who you t- and and another thing is when he said that you know who's he talking about. Yeah, and and they all know who he's talking about too. Right, but actually, it should it, it should be two people he's talking he's talking to. It's not just one person. I mean, it's the whole backcourt. To be honest with you, like I, I mean, that's and, yeah. And, Danny does a good job. Oh, Danny, sorry, I, I meant Poole and Jones specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, Poole and Jones, and. Like Gallo, I think isn't even so much an effort thing as just uh he's a forty year old man with no knees and he's heavy yeah. and slow. Like it, it's just yeah, you're just getting from him what he can right give now. you. Yeah, that that's that's a tough ask. Uh, and someone listening to this will say, "Well, why doesn't Kyle Kuzma play better defense?" Well, I, I agree. This has been his worst defensive season as a Wizard, in my opinion. He's not, but in comp- he's not the problem. No. Yeah, it, like you could live with what he's doing as the leading scorer of the team and offensive engine for most of these games. His defense is service, you know, serviceable enough. That's what we always talked about with Brad. He's was, bringing more defensive effort than those two guys. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Right. And, and Much I, more. I feel like someone like Denny and the Denny fans will say I'm a hater again. Cause I'm always perpetually a hater. I think he is a really good defensive player. But he's not the kind of guy that can like change an entire. He doesn't raise the level of your overall team's defense. To me, he's just a very good individual defender, and like he does some good stuff off ball. And he, he's a good. I'm not saying he doesn't help, but he's not a team defender. But there are some guys that are so special defensively, they lift the watermark for the whole team. I, I don't think he can do that by himself because he's not that sort of player. I, I think Kulabali is the kind of guy who could eventually be that kind of player because he's long, he's rangy, you know, he can he can kind of like cause him additional havoc. But but Denny's definitely not the problem defensively. He's really solid. I think Kuzma's been good enough for what you're getting from him offensively to offset. But I think Gafford tries. It's, right. it's it's the backcourt. Like if your backcourt is that bad, you cannot win games. Nothing wrongs with Denny. Nothing is wrong with Denny's defense. At all. At all. Right. I mean, good. He's a solid defender mm-hmm. as far as what you want on a team. He's yeah. not, like you said, he's not going to change. He's not a Patrick Beverly or Drew Holiday. And and you don't expect him to be. Yeah. Right? But also, you expect him to bring on defense what he is. Right? He's doing what you expect for him to do on defense. You mm-hmm. can you can you can be just up just fine with that. Yeah. Right? You can be Satisfied, even more satisfied, that, you know, with that. Sure. Kuzma, he can bring more defensively yeah. wise, but he's not he's not super slacking off and just letting not anything. killing you. Yeah, right. right. He's taking he's taking pride in his defense too. Yeah, he's trying. These the other two do not care about defense at all. Mm-hmm. It's not a factor. It's not a priority. It's not even an option to them. I agree. And that's the issue. After the Hawks game, which is three games ago now, uh, Bilal Kulabali said that Wes Unsell Jr. wasn't pleased with the way the Wizards approached the game. And he said, we're not serious, to be honest. We'll just be more serious next game against Detroit. And they went out and beat Detroit, who might be the other worst team in the league. So, I mean, you know, they, they looked fine in that game. They did what they needed to do. And that's not like a, you know, a marquee win or anything, but they did enough, but that same game wasn't for defense either. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Uh, 
Wes Unsell Jr. that same game said where we were two weeks ago, how we've played compared to what we've done in the last stretch of games. I think there are a lot of bright spots. He's not really wrong. They're better. The offense is better. All the things you just talked about. But it's funny to me that in the same game that Koulibaly mentioned Unsell trashing their effort or their their focus, uh, Unsell comes out and praises how much better they've gotten. So I know you have some insight into uh, Koulibaly and, and what he maybe wasn't uh, supposed to, to share with the group here. First of all, first off, with what Wes, what Wes Jr. said is it depends on what's the standard. No, that's true. You the know bar was really low, yeah. <laughs> like where the it depends on where the bar is. Yeah, he's, the bar is the he's ground. He's percent correct. I just said it. To, I just said it earlier. Mm-hmm. How much better we look offensive? Yeah. How much? How much we move? Much better we're moving the ball. But you know where's the bar, mm-hmm. right? And then as far as what Koulibaly said, the reason why it sounds like him and Wes are speaking. Like was in two different locker rooms, yeah. right? Is that Koulibaly just said the quiet part out loud? The thing that was supposed to stay in the locker room, he still has to learn that part. Like, okay, certain things that coaches that coach yeah. says, don't leave. It's just for here, yeah, right. And and probably you know you know coming from overseas, it it wasn't that that dynamic of where certain things have to stay and certain things can you know come out, you know. Right. It's 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 putting and Koulibaly doesn't matter. He, he doesn't mind putting weight on the team either. Right mm-hmm. now, even as a rookie, you notice he's also saying things on purpose too. Yeah. Not, I think he doesn't know the rules yet. Sure. And so he's not doing it to where you know I'm trying to take something that shouldn't be said and say it. Yeah, but he's honest. also, yeah. but he's also being honest and putting it out there on purpose as well. Yeah. Uh, in the chat, it never makes no sense. Said, "How long does it take to fully learn defensive rotation scheme?" Bilal looked lost in game one against Orlando. To be honest with you, I think the whole team looked lost, and I, it would be hard for me to point on him specifically. He's one of the guys I had the least problem with, and he also had some of the tougher assignments. Like Franz Wagner is really good at basketball, so having to guard someone like that. Or one of their guards, like I think he guarded Suggs for a little bit. Suggs is on a heater right now. Like so, it's it's a tough ask. The effort is there, but but I don't think anyone seems to be locked in on what the scheme is. Well, first of all, as a rookie, having an assignment to guard the toughest player on the other team, yeah, it says a lot. That's that's a lot of pe- range people putting in your hands right away. Yeah, so that's you know that says a lot about him right away. Mm-hmm. Secondly. When you have that assignment, that assignment that you have to guard the toughest player on the team, and then you still have to do the stand the same rotate system rotations, it's tough, mm-hmm. right? It is tough. Yeah. Now you take both of those things I just said that he has to do, and then put him on a team where no one else is really buying into the, the defensive principles. Exactly, it leaves you on you're island. Gonna look, you're gonna look out of sorts. Exactly. It may not be him, right? I think that's the yes. thing. You don't know who's supposed to be where, so it's hard to put the blame on the right person without knowing. So now, not only I have to guard the toughest guy, mm-hmm. I have to be in my positions, uh, my principles within the defensive system, the guidelines we have. But now, the next rotation I'm supposed to make, I see somebody's not there. Yeah. So now I have to make 
all of these little micro decisions that I was supposed to make. Mm -hmm. And so now, no matter what decision I make, most likely it could be wrong. True. I think this is one of those things where people think about unselfishness on a basketball court and they mostly think about the offensive end. This is a be unselfish on defense situation. And Koulibaly, I think, sometimes is really unselfish defensively and no one helps him. So he looks bad out of the play, but no one else is doing the stuff he's trying to do, you know, to, to back him up, too. So I, I, I trying I, to back up. He's trying to back up the backup plan. Exactly right. And, and <laughs> there's nothing you can do. I need a backup plan to back up the backup plan to back up my backup plan. I mean, that's really what he's doing yeah. out there. That's too much. And he's, I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Just, so he's trying to help the helpers help her. There's, there's just no way to, to work yeah, out. Once you're in that situation, it's too late. Yeah. Now, if he decided, like, I'm only take, I'm only making my own, my first help rotation, I'm done, mm -hmm. he won't look as bad. Yeah. But he the also won't. Yeah, it's team stuff. So what you can't have it both ways. Yep. I, yeah, I think every one of us who's played at any level has played some game where you're like, all right, f it, I'm I'm gonna shut down my guy, and I'm gonna. It's almost what Tyus is doing to a lesser extent. I'm just like, I'm gonna face guard my guy, and I'm gonna ignore the other. That's yeah, you can't win that game. You can't win. No. Especially another point guard. I mean, yeah, I get. I get playing against, you know, um, um, guy from Villanova, which, from a, I mean, um, not Villanova, um, son. Oh, Devin Booker? Yeah, well, let's use him. Like, I get playing against Devin Booker or, you know, the the, the great point guards. All right. Yeah, sure. and, and knowing he's, he really lacks in defense, in defensive effort. Hmm. He's going. He's going to resort to face guarding first, no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't trust his defensive effort, mm -hmm. right? But every game, it's hard. Every yeah. game you face guarding the point guard, like it's not going to work. Come on, man. We're already behind the eight ball at that point as a team. You got yeah. no shot, really. Uh, I, I've already got the Denny fans mad at me for a lifetime, no matter what, how many nice things I say about him. Man, I think the really doing it. He's doing great. Job, doing great. man. You see, man, I'm every time Denny shoots a, a three pointer now, I'm like, I feel good about it. Yeah. I'm throwing, Take it every time. Up, man. He's slashing. I tell you this the Wizards are lucky that they gave him that deal and it worked out. They gave, if he played like this last yeah. year or before the deal, yeah, they couldn't afford that now. Yeah. They couldn't afford him now. One of the few times where a Wizards contract has looked good after signing yeah. it, you know. Right now, the way Denny's playing compared to what his deal is, yeah, he got, they got a steal. I I wholeheartedly agree, and we'll say that, and someone will still say that we didn't praise him enough. But now I'm going to have the Jordan Poole fans mad at me too because I don't want this to be a rag on Jordan Poole thing. The offense has been better, but the other day Chase Hughes tweeted this out about how Jordan Poole said. It's quote really cool being at the top of other teams opposing scouting other opposing team scouting reports. I've seen a lot of coverages, a lot of different coverages. It's honestly just really cool. It just makes you learn as a player. It makes you grow. Go back and watch film. He's not watching film on the defensive end. He's watching how people are covering him. He should be watching how to cover other people. Right. So does it all. 
It's a lot of things in that little part. So, first <laughs> of all, Jordan Poole is right. Yeah, it's cool to be on now the top of the scout. Sure. Right. Then he's young. This is the first time he's been one of the stars of a team. Yeah. Right. So those are all of the nuances and new factors that's mm-hmm. that's you're now getting to see right. as becoming that. Mm-hmm. Problem is, he's on a team where they're losing right now. They're having a lot of issues defensively. Yeah. He's he looks like he's being selfish, mm-hmm. right? Just from yeah. watching him, I mean, he has just as much low lights as he does highlights, or even more, right? right? So that statement comes off as he doesn't get it yet. Nobody wants to hear that shit right now. Like they just don't. Yeah, nobody, no one wants to hear a selfish statement like that. That has nothing to do with your teammates. It has nothing to do with the team. It has nothing to do with like improving the team. It has nothing to do with you trying. You trying to offer the team more mm-hmm. or, or give a sacrifice. Right. It's just so self-centered, and it's it's clueless. If I'm a vet on the team, I'm just like face palming right now. Like, what is this guy and, saying? And the thing is, it it validates what everybody's thinking about him right now. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's tone deaf. Like, you right. don't you don't hear the commentary. Like, right? Uh, yeah, that's rough. Um, all right, I got a bunch of listener questions here for us. So I appreciate everybody sending these in. We're gonna hit as many of them as we can in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, starting with scratch my arse. I think the big question eroding my gray matter as when the wizards will trade Kuzma January 15th, which is the soonest he can be traded is soon. And I can't see the reason Kuzma would want to continue to play with the wizards or for the wizards and uh, for the wizards to not actively look for draft picks in return. The future is not now. And along the same line, DC sports nerd one said as a vet, what's it like hearing your name involved in trade rumors? Does it change based on the role you're playing or the team you're playing for? And he was referencing this little Kuzma mini drama. So Jai, I don't know, not on like big on Twitter. So uh, someone from the Bolts Forever account that the place where I write also uh, tweeted that um, Kyle Kuzma's trade value was going up. If, you know, presuming they do, they do look to trade him. And Kuzma retweeted and said, damn, why are you trying to trade me? As if he is not looking to get out of here, which I personally like, but uh, it's also you can't, take that too personally in my opinion if you're him either like people are going to ask that when you're on a three and 15 team so i guess two-parter here do you think they'll look to trade him and should they look to trade him i don't know if they're looking to trade him i think i honestly think everybody's on the chopping block you should consider all options that's my yeah right now just i mean they said it at the beginning of the year Right. When that the exact thing they said at the beginning of the year to me right there, let me know there's no man safe. Mm-hmm. Right. Even even your your the best, the best players on your team. Yeah. So. And it's all about rebuilding the system, rebuilding mm-hmm. the team. So. If I'm a player on the Wizards, I have to and I've been around, I got to understand that now. if me being Kuzma, I wouldn't want that. I just got a new contract. Yeah. Me being the face of the team, me caring, right? But does he want to be a Bradley Bill? Right. 
does he want to be a Bradley Bill and you know almost over overstay his you know his loyalty right it's probably now, a little easier for him having won a ring at some point here too there's a little less pressure right yeah it is so it is but from what i see with cal kuzma is he he's he wants to win he's seen it he's been there right that once you get a taste of that it's hard to not want to get that again Right. Which is reasons why he's saying what he's saying in the media, mm-hmm. holding his team accountable, right? Mm-hmm. Because he he, he understands what's winning is. He's seen it. He learned from winners. So, it's a part of me was like, yeah, I'm kind of surprised he may not want to leave. He may not want to leave. But it's also, you know, a part where, man, you're on a team and you're in a situation where it's nothing safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to know that, and I'm sure he does. I- to be honest with you, there are so many times where people like the minute they get to Washington, they want out. Our own broadcaster, Drew Gooden, didn't want to be here the first time he got traded here and asked out the door. Uh, so I'm I'm like, I would always prefer a guy like Kuzma, a guy like Denny that say, this is where I want to be. And we want to be here to fix it. To me personally, I I like being on the losing team because I think there's that much more payoff when you win. Going somewhere where they already win and being another guy to help them keep winning, I don't think that's it's gratifying. So, like, I don't blame them. Now, will he want to do this for three years if they're still trash in three years, closer to the end of his deal? I think that's a different story. But to me, he's the kind of guy that helps you fix the culture, and I wouldn't be in a rush to trade that. But to your point, I also wouldn't not trade him if the right deal came along. Yeah, but I do agree. He's one of the guys that doesn't mind being part of the process of helping you fix the culture, right? Yep. You don't have to force him into it. No, it's coming Because he goal. wants it because he would want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Dan Favalli, who hosts a really good podcast, the Hard Knocks, uh, Hardwood Knox podcast, asked, what is the most shocking part of Bilal's cool Bali game to you so far? Um, to me, it's the shooting. I didn't think he'd shoot it this well. You didn't think he'd shoot this well? Not not right away. I mean, like, what is it, like 42% from three or something like that? I'm, I'm kind of surprised. To me, it's all the intangibles. Yeah, that's fair. It's all the intangibles that really don't, may show up or may not show up. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the, it's the steals. It's the sacrifice in your body. It's the block shots. I never knew you can get up and block as many shots. Contest yeah. shots. You know, rim protection. It's the diving on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's the making tough, tough baskets, you know, it's the, it's the maturity. That's a big one. In fact, is this just surprising. Mm -hmm. The readiness to come in and and make an impact right away. Yeah. I thought it would take a little longer. Uh, When, when Dan asked that question, I responded yes, originally, because it's all been a nice, pleasant surprise. So I'll take it. Uh, Pardon the pronunciation here, D-I-V-I-J, Davige. Um, how to scale up Denny and Bilal's Koulibaly's uh, usage with the current roster? Is that something that will be done later in the season? To me, especially in these games when they're out of pocket, it's not just the minutes for Koulibaly. We've talked about this a lot too. Like, I want to see him with on-ball reps. Like, if you're going to leave him out there with other reserves, him running up and down the court, never touching the ball, doesn't do you any good, in my opinion. So I think they could do that now. I think they need to scale up definitely Bilal Koulibaly's minutes. Yeah. 
But like you said, you said it's not about the minutes, it's the reps. Mm-hmm. But you can't get the reps without the minutes. Oh, agreed. Yeah. He's playing right? like 25 minutes a game, I think. So that's right, but terrible. you're not touching the ball a lot. That, much, that's as much. Right. So to that's me, the, the more minutes, the more the more opportunity you have to touch the ball, the more they say, okay, he's more of a uh, a factor mm-hmm. in the in the entire game as far as how I many how long he's on the court. We have to get him involved. Mm-hmm. Right. So for him to grow, he has to be on the court. Yeah, you can take him and work on everything, but it doesn't translate into the game until you play in it, you know, put try it in the game over and over again. And you probably make some mistakes, yes. But you have to give him the minutes to make those mistakes. Mm-hmm. You have a guy out there that's definitely can be a figment in the franchise long term. Sure. Yeah. I, He's the thing that's frustrating is like I get when he's out there with all the other starters that they're going to use him more as a defense energy spot up guy. There, I'm, I'm blank on which game specifically, but it was the game was like well decided. And it's the one where Cool Bolly hurt his knee and they put him back in at the end and he just literally ran up and down the court and never touched the ball. In those minutes, I would say you will bring the ball up court and you will start that you will initiate the yeah. offense because you play point guard in France. Yeah, like let's do that. And if and to your point, like situations where I would make sure I would make put him in situations where he has to touch the ball, where he has to make some 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 other decisions. Right now, yeah, he's a he's a very valuable dirty work guy. Yeah, right. He's probably the best dirty trash guy we have right now. I think so. But he's. He has so many skills doing why you watching him be the trash guy. You're like, whoa, oh, oh, you can do that. Yeah. Right? It's a waste of his talents, to be honest so with you. So now you're saying, no, this guy is not just a trash guy. He's a two-way player. Mm-hmm. Right? So I feel like the Wizards are using him as the ultimate trash guy. Mm-hmm. Right? And trash, I'm, guys know what trash is. Not I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not a bad thing. Yeah. But. It's the dirty work guy, right? Like, yeah, the you know, dirty work guy. But dude has skills. Mm-hmm. Bring the ball up the court. He can shoot. He can go downhill. He makes right? great reads on when he drives and kicks the people. Like he, he great reads, smart stuff. He great reads and cuts. Right. Yeah. You why limit him so early when you're going to need all the things that he brings to the table in this game later on? Yeah. Right. Like, what's the purpose of? of handicapping it now because what could happen is he can get systemized into now saying, okay, let me, let me start to, you know, decrease. Settle, like, like, settle into that role. Yeah. Let me settle in that role. It'd be hard for you to get him back out mm-hmm. instead of saying, go out there and, and, and make mistakes. Go out yeah. there and fuck up. Yeah. Easier to rein you back in later if you're doing too much, you know, well, not only that, he's, he's already been a pro. Yeah, it's true. So it's not that what he's messing up on is not that he doesn't know it. Mm-hmm. It's just that okay, I'm getting, I'm trying to do it in a new system. So you don't take away what he, take away what he already knows, and what he, what he already knows distinctly and how to play. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't rein in his game because you don't have to. Yeah. So, and you don't, and it's it's going to hurt you in the long run. I, I think for fans, especially recently. 
most of us get it, right? Like this is going to be, there's going to be a lot of losing this year. And I've gotten the message from a lot of people. Sam Hershey always listened to the show messaged me the other day. It's getting harder to watch games where he's not involved because that, I mean, that's really the future of the team. So if they're not going to let him do anything, it's not a lot for fans to kind of tune in for some nights. It's hard to watch games that I'm a Rui not in. Yeah, right. Let him just go out and hustle the shit out of stuff. Like, I thought he played really hard in the Magic game. My whole point is this. Like, you can see how those guys, where they can grow to, mm-hmm. where they can help. You can see right now how the how the season is in is going up. Yeah. Right in those on the wall. I mean, it's not going to be a miracle and <laughs> right. turn down, turn around 180. Okay, so two guys I know that really can that, that has potential to grow and can help us if we get all of the kinks out and and, and get all the rust out and all the mistakes out, it'd be those two guys. Yeah. Right? Um young guys really don't get a lot of, you know, playing time, but has a has some unique things to offer us. Mm-hmm. Why not mold these now? I know. This is the year. It should be the year. Right. You can't, don't mean just because they're in the D League or they're playing in the G League or whatever right now that we're molding this. It's a completely different game. Uh, totally. Right? Uh, Rollins is the other one I would try. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It's that, that's got to have to change for people. And, and I'm hopeful that, like, I've really enjoyed Landry Shamit the last couple games, especially. But if he's not here long term, I'm not going to be sad about it either. Like he, he's not going to be in their long term future. Well, so, well, I thought, you know, like I said, I thought they put him out there to raise the value, but he's yeah. becoming an intricate part of the, of the offense for us. <laughs> so he might not. Yeah, he, and he what? Is, and that's my. But you're making my entire point. Yeah. The more he was on the court, the more he got comfortable. The more he can just play. The more all the thoughts go out your head when you're trying to do everything right and perfect because you got the pressure. Once that pressure release, the yeah. confidence gets finds a way through. Now these guys can all he, hoop. Yeah. He's just being his. He's not a different player, right? He just, just now he's the player you you used to. Mm-hmm. Same thing with these other guys. Yeah. But now I don't know if they didn't land. I don't know if Shaman is playing just because trying to value, value for him, or yeah, is it right. because they saying okay, let, let's really. We decided to put, make you really a part of you know what we're doing here. Honestly, it might be both. Let's figure out if you can be a part of it, and then if not, maybe it does enough to, you know, we'll see how. Like you, you could kind of do either fork in the road when you have to, and and right. they've got another month or two to to figure that out. True. Uh, Gabe thirteen asked basically the same question about Bilal's usage, but also asked, uh, what are our thoughts on Reed Shepard, freshman guard for Kentucky? I don't know if you've seen him at all this year, but. He's been really good. His dad, Jeff Shepard, played in the league for a yeah, year or two around your Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen Reed at all, freshman guard at Kentucky. All I'll say for Reed is he was probably the least heralded guy on a team with uh, Robert Dillingham, DJ Wagner, all these other high-profile guards, and he's just been crazy efficient. And them in general is so impressive that three freshman guards can play huge usage, and they're playing in an insanely fast fi- uh, fast pace offensively and they're like bottom 10 in, in the NCAA in a good way in turnover percentage. Like they don't turn the ball over playing that fast as freshmen is incredible to me. So I, I think uh, Shepard's been great. You, now you're saying it's three freshman guards? Yeah, DJ Wagner. And together, oh, you talking about just 
just in, not always playing at the same time, but they have three freshman guards on the team now. Currently, Kentucky has three freshman guards on the team now. Correct. Yeah. They're super efficient. Yeah. Now I haven't seen Reed Shepard yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely will because I actually was trying to catch catch a Kentucky game. I thought I just thought about I missed a Kentucky game uh, yesterday. I was saying telling somebody about it. Um, They're really they, fun to they watch. Went, they went to the University of Kentucky. So, yeah, I have to watch them. I don't have any as much insight as I, I should on them right now, but I'm definitely uh, really interested in watching University of Kentucky this year. Their appointment viewing, and last year it was a slog to watch them. They ran like a 1940s offense, and it was terrible. And you're like, this is not a John Calipari, you know, a read and react, uh, drive and kick kind of team here. So they're they're back to like what made them impressive a couple years ago of just like, talented guards and letting them play make and well that's uh, kentucky kentucky yeah. guard capital it's guard exactly. you yeah it's yeah. guard you man you know um what show is that uh name last chance of you but for guards the opposite yeah, i don't know um it's a podcast podcast uh 350 hmm, i don't know you know 350 podcast Mm-mm. okay um I'm looking up. They were talking about one. They had um, one guy on there talking about Wake Forest with point guard capital. Okay. And they were like, nah, bro, nah, Kentucky. And then they started naming all the point guards that came out of Kentucky. Stacked list. Yeah. He was like, you still want to say that? He was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't say no to that at a certain point. The guards have been incredible. And uh, yeah, he just seems like the latest in the in long line. He was like a top. 50 ish recruit, but when the other guys are top 10 or top 15, you don't expect him to have as big an impact. And and they've all kind of had different okay. moments with the, po- the podcast. Jeff T. Oh yeah. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, I, I do not listen to it as regularly as I need to, because he says something hilarious every episode. Oh, he's the best. He's the best storyteller out there. Yeah. He's probably going to be like, he should be the next guy on like the inside the NBA show with that crew oh, yeah. longer term. Oh yeah. Uh, Cup of Java asks, what are the roles for each of the Wizards coaches? And what is Wes Unsell Jr.'s approach for each game? What is being done to prepare the team and each player in practice before a game? Not something I think we can answer, but uh, I don't know that they know a lot of the games, but I think we could talk a little bit about just like. I'm, I'm, I would like to know as well. Yeah, exactly. We're right. all curious about that. Yeah. No, I, I the, the players might be curious about what, what his approach is for Ricky. Um, just out of curiosity, though, John, like in college, I know a lot about roles and responsibilities and who gets different scouts and things like that. Does that work the same way with NBA assistants where David Vanterpool might have the upcoming team or are you is everybody working with their individual guy like Vanterpool will have uh, he'll have Jordan Poole, Bilal Koulibaly and Eugene Amaruri are his guys. Is he just working on individual matchups with them or is there like how does that kind of go? No, certain coaches are there because you trust. You have to. One, a head coach can't scout every no, game. Yeah. It's impossible. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, you're going to pass. You're going to give certain scouts to certain coaches. That's how it goes, mm-hmm. right? And um, and and doesn't mean that the scouting, they scout it wrong. Mm-hmm. The coaches we have are good coaches, mm-hmm. right? They – They've been on some great teams and then been scouting for other teams having a scout report for yeah. that team, right? So that's – that's. I don't think that's the issue. 
It's, it's guys buying into what they're the material they're it's, getting. It, right? it's, it's how much you you buying into the information and how much you you know, how serious are you? You if we're, we're hedging the screen or if we're face guarding this one guy, if we're, you know, making sure no points in the paint on this side, mm-hmm. whatever the team is that, you know, trying to stop their major thing. This guy likes to only How go much left are we going to situation? do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, a, how much emphasis are we going to put on this scouting report? Mm-hmm. Because the information we got and the, the scouting report, it's mostly, it's, I'm sure it's efficient. I mean, these, these are professionals that have been doing this for a long time. Right. Right. So it's not, it's a point to where can just, you know, people can just talk to their blue in the face. Right. If you're not listening, why? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Or you just not programmed that way. Sure. And it's, you know, we may got some guys that right now is not programmed to understand defense. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of guys in the league that's not. <laughs> sure. You know, I you think probably more than not. Yeah. You just it took them a long time to get there, mm-hmm. right? And these guys are young. Yeah, I've heard from any twenty-two. Yeah, and he's the he's the longest tenured wizard. Just think about that for a minute. Vinny is twenty-two. It's crazy to me. I don't even remember twenty-two. Boy, anymore. they got a steal. They got a steal, baby. I know that's been great. Uh, we need a couple more of those. So front office, keep it going here. Uh, so a couple of jobs, I know we did perfectly answer your question here. It is a good one. I, I'll see if I can get one of the coaches on here, or at least one of the former coaches. I, I got that kind of in the back pocket here. Um, Jay Scott asked, do you all think Wes lasts the season as a coach or sorry, not the season lasts as a coach all the way through this rebuild? Uh, I know he probably will stick around for at least the next two seasons. Do you think he's the type of coach that can get the most out of a young team? This is tough. Sometimes guys stick around through the rebuild. And then once the team is better, that's when they bring in a new voice because it's a different stage and you want them to hear different things. Like it was the Brett Brown thing in Philly. Like he got one shot at it post rebuild. And then they, they immediately kind of pulled the plug on that. So I think that's kind of thing could happen, unfortunately for Wes. Well, Wes is my guy, man. I mean, Wes has been around just as a young guy. And everyone likes this dude, by the way. I'm not trying to shit on him. Right. It just so, sometimes no, guys I, I, out. I get the question, and I get it. I'm not. I know what you're saying, and it's not a. You know, he's a good guy. I like that's, you know, what's my guy, right? But at the end of the day, first of all, you just don't get rid of Wes if you don't, because Wes it hasn't been a part of the organization for a long time. You got to understand that he's not just a guy they went and found out. He's been with the wizards before I, before I got there playing with him. Like yeah. he's grown with the wizards. He's a part of the, he's literally a figment in the organization. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't get rid of him if you don't have anything that's much better. You don't just say, hey, okay, this and then we're now we get scrambling trying to find one of those top coaches. Right. Gotta get a good coach. So you don't get rid of him just right away of him that way. Also, he may not, he may not be, you know, he may not be at the head coach in the next year, but don't mean he won't be there. Yeah. I could see them finding another role for him somewhere yeah, else. He'll be in a role too. somewhere. Uh, th- that's kind of how I think, unless he wants to go coach somewhere else, he'll be a guy that people will want to pick back up as an assistant immediately. Cause he's got a long track record of being a successful assistant. Yeah. 
And some guys are just better. And he has a lot of information, and he know he right. knows shit. Mm-hmm. Like in the end of the day, he knows shit. Yeah, yeah. That's not may, it's. It's it exactly what we just talked about. The guys buy into the shit that he knows, and, right. and he may be and his shit may have to go through somebody else's mouth. Exactly. Paul, you know, yeah. you, <laughs> you need the translator sometimes, right? Hey, like, sometimes you need the translator. Yeah. No, I think that's totally spot on. Uh, Jeff Hume asked, uh, would you consider starting Shamit and bringing Poole off the bench? One, to send a message to Poole about the way he's playing. Uh, two, potential of boosting Shamit's trade value. Three, Shamit deserves it. He plays hard and plays D. And then you could have Poole kind of just chill on the second unit or you know, not have to think as much uh, when he's out there. Again, I, I said this in a vacuum a couple of weeks ago. Like, I think that's a better role for what he's capable of right now is just like microwave score. But Shamit's been probably their best two-way shooting guard. But like we talked about before, they're, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that to pool. It doesn't really boost Shamit's trade value that much. So it's not there's not much incentive for them to do it other than an angry pool who you're stuck with for four years at that point. So I, I can't see it happening. That's a great question. That's a great question, but I agree. I just this I ain't high school. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's a business. Yeah, right. It's a great question, right? But yeah. they're not going to do it. Gonna happen is, yeah. and and you can't do it. You you can't do it first of all because it's just um how far apart the money is. Yeah, right. At the end of the day, yeah. One guy's a franchise. It. One time's a face. The face of a friend of the franchise, right? He's a franchise player, right? In the end of the day. When you brought him in, you said, hey, this is going to be your team. Mm-hmm. And so it's he's not on a four, four year deal left. And, and not uh, how the league go. Sham, it could leave this year or, you know, so it's right. It's, and then you can't, you got to take, you're going to take the risk of making Pool unhappy yeah. and making Sham happy. Right. It's not going to happen. Makes no sense. Yep. Just certain uh, things you don't do. I mean, it's, it's a great, in the fantasy world, but uh, not realistic. Uh, Shamit has been their best two-way wing of the yeah. bunch, like in my opinion. Uh, like he's been a better two-way shooting guard of of the group between him, Kispert, and Pool. Whoever, else, yeah, I, I've I've appreciated his minutes. And if you want to give him a few more for the rest of his time here, because no before Shamit was damn it. <laughs> <laughs> now you've like, been ah. sitting on that one. That was awesome. Right. Well, now you're like, hey. Okay, Shaman really coming up. And like I said before, he's not doing anything different. He's just now playing his game. Yep, being himself. Right. And, and you knew that's what he can do. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it all, you know, but early, yeah. early this year. Pretty much. Noah Mettenheimer asked, uh, early days, but who would you prefer paired up to uh, Bilal Kulabali in the future? Isaiah Collier, the freshman point guard for USC. Or Alexander Saar, the six foot eleven ish uh, power forward slash center for the Perth Wildcats of Australia. Jahadi, I get on how much you've been paying attention to draft stuff already, but it's basically dynamic point guard or long rangey big who can cover a lot of ground. Or does it matter to me? I would just take whoever you think is better and move with it. I yeah, wouldn't worry about both. fit. But right now we need both. Yeah, right. Yeah. Give us both though. Yeah, because we need a we need a. A dynamic point guard. We need a dynamic point guard that can. You really, need everything. I mean, really, right. I would take every position. Also, need some rebound stats. Yeah. You have some more rim protection. 
I would never say no to more wings too. Like I, I will take any position no. they can get. So hey, nothing's fair. Nothing's safe right now. Yep. Uh, DJ asked basically a similar question of just who are the top five prospects that the Wizards should be considering. It's whoever the five most talented guys on the board are, you know, when it's their turn to draft. I know that's a cop out, but uh, like they're going to do a lot of work. This front office really evaluates and scouts things. They prioritize athleticism. Athletic wings has been a staple of every one of these guys wherever they've been. So Stefan Castle, freshman for UConn. Uh, Zachary Rissache, a French player, has been shooting the shit out of it. Another long 6'8 guy. Cody Williams, it's Jalen Williams' little brother, freshman at Colorado. Ron Holland, Geely Goodnight. Like any of those guys, I, th- I think, are going to be somebody that appeals to this particular front office. Yeah. I, I think it's what you're looking, looking for. The problem, like now, is I think gone are the days of the big three, the big two. Mm-hmm. You have to look for, you got to say, okay, in this specific position, there's a three guy. We want all of these things that come with a three guy. Right. Right. So, so now, and, and, and efficiently, you know, so like a Denny, mm-hmm. he, does, he does so many other things, right? Um, he's not a major guy, though. It's a right. solid piece. Yeah. yeah, solid piece. I think right now we, that's a perfect, pray for what it's stated. We have to find solid pieces in each position. Yeah. More than try to find big names who can light up the scoreboard. Because mm-hmm. if you could, re- if we had a solid piece at the two, we yeah. may be a little more, you know, right? If we had a, so sometimes solid pieces work better than big names. But then what also what happens with solid pieces, they work better together. Yeah. Yeah. You can be greater than the sum of your parts if you're all bought in and, and you can all do a little bit. Yeah. Right. I, I I just I'm kind of overseeing one way players. So if someone doesn't at least have the potential to be a two way player, I wouldn't I no-go. wouldn't even draft them. It's a no go. Uh let's see. Cartaldo asked, how does Dawkins avoid the replication of the apparent abyss that is Detroit? What their GM Weaver has done so poorly, like what has their GM Weaver done so poorly in the rebuild? And, and so I always say this, like I I just said a minute ago, they should take the most talented guy, but it has to be the most like best player available. Doesn't work. If you're going to draft a guy at a position that you'll never actually play him at or allow him to play a role that he's good at. So if you draft four centers, you're not going to play two centers out there together at a time. So a guy's never going to fully maximize or show what he can do if he doesn't get on the court. They've got Wiseman who barely plays. They've got Marvin Bagley who barely plays. I know they didn't draft Bagley, but they added him cheap young later. Like at some point that you have to put them in a position, I think where they can actually grow and play and develop, or you're never going to get, they're never actually going to turn into best player available. If that makes sense. I just feel like Detroit is they they tunnel they have a tunnel vision with the talent. Mm-hmm. To me, Detroit has a lot of the same person. Yeah, they don't fit. It's just what you just it's all about. the same person. Yeah, they playing some some may be more talented than the yeah. other, but it's the same individual. Mm-hmm. So, to me, whoever's doing the scouting and picking the guys, they they only see one type. And they're like, I like that type. 
Mm-hmm. Now you're putting a lot of those types out there. I mean, yeah, individually on the team, on other teams, they could they could really add to a team, right? Exactly. Like, there's too many cooler bodies on one team. Yeah, I think some of these guys, if you send them somewhere else and they take a huge jump forward, people are gonna be like, "Oh, what did Detroit right. do wrong?" But I think it, I think it would make a lot of sense. Like Jaden Ivey is the one that Wizards fans really wanted a couple years ago. He looks terrible every time I see him play for them, but yeah. there's, he just doesn't fit. So, and now you're gonna play him next to a sore Thompson who can't shoot with right. two it bigs like, who can't Detroit shoot. It looks like an overtime team. Right, exactly. It's just here are the best high school guys that we could get yeah, from the recruiting class. I mean, yeah, it's talent out there, mm-hmm. but it just looks bad. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. Uh, a lot of youth, though. It's a lot of youth over there, which I do like. Yeah, I mean, the, again, they're talented guys. I'd rather have talent than no talent, so it's not the worst problem to have. But now you got to start to make it fit into a basketball team, and right. they haven't done that yet. Uh, CDK asked, "Why isn't Eugene Amarui getting regular rotation minutes?" What does Mike Mascala do better than Amarui? Uh, and I would just say Mascala's only playing like 11 minutes a game. So he's not probably the biggest right. uh, impediment to more Gino minutes. Gino's played about six. I think some of that's contract. Gino is on a two way. He can only spend 50 games with the Wizards. I expect he plays more the second half of the year when they clear some dudes out. But spacing, honestly, Mascala is a career almost 40% shooter. And Gino is a career under 30% shooter. That's probably part of it too, but it's just dynamics. Can you move Mascala? Can you turn him into anything? Gino, they, they've got to find there, so they don't want to have to, to rush to do anything with you him. You can't even compare the positions. Yeah. They're not really the same position. If, if, you, if you make Amarui what he should be, he's not a five. You so know, he's an energy four kind of? Energy four, yeah. yeah. You gotta kind of got a Vanderbilt kind of guy. Look at him in his eye of energy for more defense than offense, a hounder, mm-hmm. aggressive, rebounder, a body, quickness. Yep. You have all these things that you don't usually have with a in a body like that. Mm-hmm. Not um he does know how to go go for his shot. You know, he's not afraid to sure. But is he super skilled? No. You know, it's just so I don't think one is the other. Yeah. Right. Scott's your stretch big. Amaru is your Jared Vanderbilt type. Right. So now, but you just gotta say you gotta teach Amarui to be controlled, poised, without but what you you gotta kind of get his aggressiveness and his is out of controlness that really helps us out somehow organize it. Yeah, channel it in the right direction. Yeah, channel it because he could really help us out in that sense. Yep, I agree. No one yeah. wants to be guarded and played by Amarui all night. He's annoying as shit. I, you know, as hell if, yeah. if he doesn't get in foul trouble. Right. Nobody wants that. Yeah, exactly. Especially come February and yeah. veteran guys are slowing down. You're like, I got to chase this dude the whole and game. This guy boxing you out. Yeah. Rebound, man, come on, man. He gives, uh, you, yeah, he gives you a lot. You just got to figure out how to, you know, gotta figure out how to play the guy. Yeah, he'll be a guy that I think they ramp up more as the year goes on. Uh, one more thing asked, if the Wizards trade Poole and or Kuzma, how bad exactly are the Wizards on the scale of all-time terrible teams? 
we talked about this a little bit the other week. The 76ers went nine and 73 back in 1972, 73. I'll be honest with you. If they got a fool, I don't know that they'd be that much worse. They might actually be technically better on paper right now. So at this point, who cares? <laughs> right. It's about to go going forward. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I'm with you. I think, um, bottoming out is cool. Just play hard and, and show some improvement for the young guys. At this point, you got to look at it as, all right, do we, ha- do we risk being on the worst team ever bored by getting rid of two guys or, or is the goal to say, Hey, look, now we got to change the culture of this whole place. Right. Like, and one, and you're going to have to sacrifice one to get the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess, which is worse. Uh, Losing so many games, somebody calls you the worst team ever, or winning too many games and ending up not near the number one pick. I, I'd much rather be called the worst team and get it the first pick than be called a not as bad team but still shitty and get the sixth pick. Right. It's not about now. Yep. Uh, MJ Fenster asked almost the same thing. How many games do you think the Wizards will win this year? Do you think they will have one of the five worst records in the league? I still think that they're going to get close to that over under mark of like 24 and a half ish. So I, I would see somewhere in that range. Uh, Check Wizfan asked, realistically looking at other teams in similar situations, how long do you think this rebuild could take until the Wizards are reasonable again or reasonably average team again? So many people uh, think easy peasy three years and we're superstars. I look at Detroit and I can imagine 10 years. What is more realistic? I say in two to three. I say two to three because... We have some juggernauts up there, mm-hmm. right? With, with a, who knows how to, with, with a lot of experience of dealing with a network of people who's very close to them, yep. right? So it's not like a, a new GM or, you know, or assistant or, or vice president or anybody calling and saying, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't deal with that guy very well. I don't, I got to get to know him. There's no getting to know any of these guys in the organization. There's three of them who have been around right. and done this before. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you, you, you calling your, you calling your homeboy. Yeah. Between the three of them, somebody on this team knows that's a good relationship with every, like with someone on every other team. And exactly. So it's easy to, yeah, it's easy to make deals. Everybody probably talks about Will Dawkins and Michael Winger and, and less about Travis Schlenk, but, that guy turned around a Hawks team in three years. Like he built a solid core. He had a vision for the team and it hasn't gone probably as well as they would have wanted, but they also started the wheels fell off when they pivoted away and started listening to the owner's kid. That wasn't a schlank thing. They gave up on the vision a little too early, but he made them an awful team to a second round playoff team in about a three year window. So uh, it's not unreasonable to think, you know, him and these other two really good guys can't do something similar, at least until they're respectable again in two to three seasons. All right. I agree. Uh, Reeves asks, uh, pivoting away from the Wizards here a little bit to close this out. All-time Hoyas starting five made up of only Hoyas that have played in NBA games. So, uh, and then pick a sixth man to come off the bench. So he's not just looking for like the five best Hoyas to play in the NBA. He wants you to make like an actual team out of it. I can give you my list first if you want a minute to think about it, but uh, you know these guys better than I do, obviously. Uh, but I had AI, Jeff Green, Otto Porter, Patrick Ewing, and Jihadi White. Got to shamelessly plug my guy here. but And then Alonzo Mourning can come off the bench because 
Suck it, Zoe. Uh, that's a good list right there. Mine would modern, be modernish team. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Jeff Green. Um AI, obviously. You gotta put AI on that one. He's, he's gonna be on everybody's list. I put I put Jerome Williams there. Love but love the junkyard dog, baby. Love I need, a, I need a I need a guy who can just go and right, just scrapper. Okay. Um Zo. I like it. So no doubt. Um got one more starter and one more bench player. Did David Wingate play much in the he played in the NBA, right? Yeah, he played in the NBA. He was a good ass college player. I like to watch him. Um Pat. Yeah. Kind of Pat. Pat. As a as a Pat, I guess uh I had to put Pat as a starter as his old his old on the bench. You know. Um what I need to what I need. I got a point. I have maybe another guard, a guard or a wing. What's another guard? Let's see. NBA, another guard that played in Georgetown? It's, it's been a lot of bigs. That's why I went auto. I couldn't really think a whole lot I of other wings. I can't really go anybody else. Yeah. The, yeah. That hasn't really been the the bread and butter of the yeah, at least not, the, the yeah, JT2 touching. teams. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, that's a good answer, Reeves. And Reeves, let us know who you would go with, too. I want to hear your answer. Uh, all right, this one is not so much a question as uh, just I thought it was kind of interesting. My buddy Austin sent me this article in the New York Times about how the top, some of the top free throw shooters in South Korea shoot bank shot free throws. And these are guys that when they switch to bank shots, they massively raised their percentage. And these are like elite 90% free throw shooters banking in all their free throws. And they had an engineer do a big analysis about how it's actually, you know, limits the things that can go wrong if you bank it in every time. If you could guarantee that shooting bank free throws would make you an 85% free throw shooter, would you do it? Hell yeah. It's two points. Yeah. I, t- yeah, I mean, who cares? I, I mean, I, they get used to it after a while. Exactly. Right. I, I'm yeah. surprised it hasn't caught on more yet. It though. makes sense. I mean, a bank it, shot is more efficient. You know, it's hard to mess it up about, if you get it down. How about putting it exactly in the area not about how the ball falls anything it's just exactly yeah they asked the guy that's like a 90 percent free throw shooter over there why he liked that and he said exactly what you just said he always has somewhere to aim you just hit the square it right. goes in it's not muscle memory for the middle of the rim every time. Square right there yeah it's pretty easy to aim yeah. <laughs> right it's a square right there i just remembered there was a thing while Shaq was still playing about they brought in rick barry and Rick Barry taught him, you know, the perfect underhand free throw technique. Yeah. And there was something about Shaq, like hit like 92 of 100 free throws in practice underhand. He did. And then was like, nah, I can't do it, man. Like, I just. No, that's, <laughs> like, that's yeah, that, you can't do that. I think the bank's a little, a little less embarrassing. Imagine Shaq shooting underhand free throws. The majority of his career, he was taught that. That takes away. From the, the forward right? sack that turns a bull, <laughs> that turns a bull and automatically into a butterfly. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but Banks, he could have banked him in, and now Banks, you'd be out with Shaq going for Banks. 
Yeah, that would have been okay. It makes sense. Yeah, I could live with that. Uh, all right, I think that's a good place to close us out here. We've gone pretty long. Uh, Johnny, any other parting shots or thoughts or anything? Uh, they play the Magic again tonight. Think they're going to do any better this time around? Yeah, they will. They will. I think. I think they're going to win this game. I'm going to put this on record here. I think. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I'm still concerned with us closing out games, yeah. even if it's close. It's not – I think we will have the option to win the game. Mm-hmm. It will be up to us. Yeah. The option would be on us to win the game. But when we have had the option to win the game, we don't understand how to. And we end up playing not to lose instead of to win. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Got to keep it up. Right. So we could. I like that. Uh, don't add us if they win, if they lose by 35 tonight, folks, we're, we're trying here, trying to add positively. Uh, all right, cool. I think that's all I got. So we'll, uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Appreciate all the questions. Thanks for doing that. Uh, I think this is just kind of a fun, nice way to, uh, to shake it up a quarter ish way into the season here and, and just check in on some things. So thanks to all the questions, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, we're presented by betonline.ag and we will catch y'all next time. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube